0: Welcome to the Untoxicated Podcast.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm Sherry Salis, and that was my husband Matt.
0: We have questions about the impact of alcohol and addiction on relationships.
1: If you have those kinds of questions too, you're in the right place. Here we
0: go. Sherry, we have a guest today, and she is wild and fiery and bold and she tells it like it is. And she has an adorable new haircut. Which I happen to love, but I'm not sure she is a fan of. In fact, I know she isn't because she told us, didn't she? Yes, yeah, she's not a fan of her new haircut, but, but it's, I think it's great. It's great. We, we don't. We never start out talking about people's appearance. This is a little. This is a little <laughs> odd. Um, welcome to the Untoxicated Podcast, Leah. It's great to have you.
2: Hey y'all, how's it going?
0: Right there, you just wanted to tell us right off the bat that you're from the south with your hey y'all. I love it. <laughs> yes. We just, we love Leah. Leah, thanks for coming on and talking through these difficult topics with us. Um, We, let's, why not? Let's just jump right in. Sounds good. We love your perspective on a lot of things, but one right off the top that we want to talk about, we love your perspective on denial. You have described to us that denial is like a black hole or like living in the middle of a tornado with everything swirling all around you. And your denial, obviously we're, we're going to get to, or we're talking about an alcoholic relationship, but your denial started way back at the beginning of the relationship. Can you describe that to us a little bit?
2: Yes. So I think that at the beginning of my relationship with my then boyfriend, now husband. Um, You know, I did not have any experience with someone who had alcohol use disorder or any kind of substance abuse problem. Um, I thought that what we were going through in our relationship, like with the arguing and the fighting and the yelling, I thought it was very normal because that's what I experienced growing up. I watched my parents argue and yell and fight. And so I thought, well, hey, this is what, this is what relationships look like. That was the, um, that was the, I guess, example that I had uh, growing up. So that's what I thought relationships were supposed to be. So it, I knew that it didn't feel, you know, peaceful and happy and healthy. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess where my denial started. Um, I, I, I guess that's, and then it just built up from there. So, We started out. Yeah,
0: we 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 are very familiar with, you know, another way to put it besides denial is that the red flags are staring us in the face. But we we just miss them. And I know for Sherry and I same thing, man, we argued all the time, not all the time, but we argued what we assumed was just a normal amount for a young couple. But looking back, oh, my gosh. It was all alcohol-induced, and there was no need for all that arguing. So we can really relate. One of the things that you've shared with us that, you know, another, like, red flag, but you miss it when you're, like you said, you're inexperienced in relationships. He would, he would come home late or, or not come home because um, he was with his drinking buddies and, you know, not even reach out or text or anything and it was that was another one where you just kind of assumed this is kind of what it's like to be in a young relationship, right?
2: Right. I mean, I you know, when we moved in together, I was 23 or 24. So like yeah, to say I was young. I mean, yes, I was young. I'm 33 now. So that was my first experience in like a grown-up relationship and i kind of would think to myself like well at least he's not driving at least he's not getting in the car at least he's not putting himself or like other people at risk and i would get mad at him the next day and i would say hey where were you you know like what were you doing i didn't hear from you and he would say oh i just fell asleep or oh my phone died or whatever he would say And like, that was, I mean, at the time, it seemed like reasonable, you know, like what, I mean, like at the time I thought like, what am I gonna say to that? Um, You know, and I just remember, like, I remember spending so much time and energy, like, being so upset and so mad and so worried like where are you like I, I don't know where you are I'm worried I'm mad I'm all of these emotions right um, and it was always the same thing I fell asleep my phone died I whatever it was um, and I would say like to him what if I just like what if you just like didn't hear from me for like 12 hours And he would say, it's different. It's different. He would always say it's different. And I would always say, how, how is it different? Um, but he, I mean, he just would say it's different. Um, and so, yeah, like I just, I would, uh, yeah, like red, like glaring red flags and, you know, it's not like I missed it. Like it was there. I just, it seemed back then like a reasonable answer, and like at least he wasn't driving. And like in my mind, it was like, well, at least he's being responsible and like staying there, you know.
0: That that's one thing I'll give your generation <laughs> credit for. When as mm-hmm. we meet people who are a little younger than Sherry and I, we hear less stories about driving yeah. under the influence. That seems to be way yeah. more common with with my cohort. Um,
2: Yeah. We don't do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that, that whole, my phone died thing. That's um, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty common, you know, no one had a
2: charger.
0: No, Yeah, exactly. Well, (laughs) but, but but like that, that I fell asleep, right. That, I mean, we all know now that's, I passed out. I drank it to the point where I passed out on someone's couch. And so I couldn't find a phone charger. I couldn't text you because I wasn't of my right mind but i mean that's what i said all the time oh i'm so tired you know i I can't believe i fell asleep before dinner but i must have been really tired from all that hard work i've been doing
1: yeah well that's right
0: i never wanted to to admit the the truth and that that's exactly what we're talking about missing those red flags or or just kind of being in denial well
1: and can i just mention to our listeners leah that um your husband is a little bit older than you. So did you feel like he had a little bit more wisdom under his belt? So him staying, okay. So that made those excuses. I fell asleep, you know, and and he's not at least driving, made him seem like he was more wise. So you- Correct,
2: correct. He's, He's seven years older than me. And so I, right, like I moved in with him and I was 23, 24. And so I thought that what this, like 30 year old, 31 year old was doing was like the smart, right, like thing to do, you know, like I thought that he was being responsible. Um, And in some ways he was like, you you know, like you said, he wasn't driving, like he wasn't getting behind the wheel. Um, And he, I mean, you know, he wasn't calling me either. Which wasn't my favorite part about it, obviously. Um, but right, like I um, was put. I was putting my trust into him, right? Like I wasn't asking the questions. I was, like you said, in denial, right? Because mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't want, to, I didn't want to. I mean, like I didn't want to ask the questions. Like I didn't want to see any uh, anything beyond like what was you know what he was saying or or anything like that
0: one of the other things that happened it sounds like more than once um really made me think again of of myself and the way I behaved when I was drinking um not because I'm musical but because I could easily get lost in whatever it was I was doing you talked about you've talked with us about how he would be on the patio with a buddy, just drinking and playing guitar, and it would go late into the night, even when you had to get up the next day. And I know right. from personal experience, you, you don't realize how selfish you're being when you're doing that. Um, right. You're just kind of into it, and it's fun, and it's right. it seems innocent, and you're you're not away from home. You're not, you know, you're not a, at a bar or falling asleep on someone's couch, so you feel a little bit good about yourself. But right. that's another one that you were able to kind of just dismiss as um as okay activity and not see the danger in it or the red flag in it right
2: so that one would it would be like an ongoing fight back then because on the one hand I was glad that he was home right and I knew where he was but then we kind of had like opposite schedules back then because I had more of like a nine to five and he worked more like evening kind of work and so like, I had to get up earlier than he did, and he would be, it would be late at night, and he would, he is very, like, musically talented, and so he would be, like, playing guitar, and, like, or listening to music with a buddy or a couple buddies on our patio, and, and I could hear it, uh, you know, while I was asleep, and it would wake me up, and I would get, like, irrationally mad, like, I would get overly, like, like Sherry, I know you've talked about how like you have a temper. I also have like a kind of like ridiculous temper sometimes, um, like embarrassingly, sometimes my temper is embarrassing sometimes. Um, and, and so I would get irrationally angry because I would get woken up and he would say, well, do you want us to go? Do you want, do you want me to go somewhere else? And I would say, no, I want you to stay home and I want your friends to leave and just like shut up, you know, and that would be ongoing and going and going. And I would say like, why can't you just like talk quietly, please, you know, um, and it would be ongoing and ongoing or like, why can't you just be respectful of the fact that I need to sleep? And now like looking back in hindsight, it's because I was in such denial that we could not have a rational conversation, obviously, because he was like, he was past the point of having a rational conversation. Now I know that I'm much more educated. And I know that that was not, first of all, it wasn't an appropriate time to have the conversation. He was not in an appropriate mindset to have the convers. Like now I know all of that. But back then, I did not. I was in deep, deep denial. And like, it, it was just, it was just like a circular conversation over and over and over again. And I was irrationally angry about it. And I, I mean, like he just did not know how to respond and it would happen over and over and over again. And I would try to talk to him about it. Like when I wasn't as angry about it and it was, Oh, it was ongoing. And, um, but then when I wasn't mad, I would tell him, like, play the guitar. I like it when you play the guitar. It was the whole, it was the whole thing. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Well,
1: I think you hit on the, the point of that was that there wasn't the respect because his perspective was, you know, selfish and drinking and having his good time and never considered your schedule being different and that lack of respect. I mean, I wouldn't say that, you know, Matt wasn't up playing guitar, but I mean, he could Turn on music and listen to it very loud in our family room downstairs, and I could hear it here. Or he'd fall asleep with the TV up too loud. And Sherry's
0: favorite cry. was. <laughs> I, I am a huge fan of Moulin Rouge. That's my like oh. my favorite movie of all time,
2: so loud. which
0: is a little it's strange musical. to admit.
2: No, well, it fine. but the talk
0: but the talking is really really quiet, so yeah. I would like turn it up during the talking scene, and then I would pass out. And then they'd right. be singing and it would be like shaking the house. It was so loud and I couldn't even notice. Yeah. And she'd have to get up and come down and yeah, turn it down. So well
2: so and it's his, that
1: respect, a lack right. of respect for you, even if he's drinking.
2: Right. But his thing was like, Well, you got mad at me last night because I, you didn't know where I was. And now So now I'm, I'm home. I now I'm home. Yeah. So like, what do you want from me? Right. Yeah. And I mean, like. Okay, he was. I mean, like, I get that perspective, right? Like, in some ways, right? Well, that's why
0: the denial is so easy because, right, on on, on some level, it makes sense, right? right. The, the things he's saying, um, and, and I said them too. So, right. I, I totally get it, Leah. I know a, a spot that uh, has left some, um, some angst for you. S- something that you've, you've thought about and shared um, is your wedding day. What happened on your wedding day? And boy, uh, Sherry and I could go on and on for telling stories about the the denial that we experienced, that she experienced around our wedding. Can you talk a little bit about what, what your wedding day was like for you?
2: Yeah. So, um, well, first of all, I'll say that His family doesn't drink at all. Like, that's, you know, his family doesn't drink, and my family is a family of drinkers. So at our wedding, we decided to just keep it to beer and wine, just as kind of like a, I don't know, middle ground. Um, But my family decided to bring bottles of liquor because that's how they roll um so I think that so my family I get well and also my husband had um my husband had a fever the day of our wedding we'll start there um I had had a fever the the, the week leading up to the wedding so we were both kind of you know whatever a mess um uh and I yeah, so I think, you know, I, I, I don't know if he was drinking beer and wine. I want to say he was, but I don't remember. He probably he probably was. Um and I wanna, yeah, and and I and I think my family was feeding him liquor throughout the wedding. Um, because, you know, again, that's how we roll. <laughs> um like to have fun you know, um, and so anyway, um, and I want to say that at some point my husband had also, um, partaken in a little bit of smoking some, you know, weed also at some point before the wedding, which was likely also with my family because yeah, my family's so fun. Um, anyway, <laughs> so, uh, during the ceremony I had we had very non-traditional fun Halloween themed wedding, which was very memorable and very fun. There were lots of really amazing and fun things about our wedding. We're not traditional people. My family um, is very um, liberal Jewish. His family is um, is a more conservative uh, Southern Baptist so we're like a fun eclectic mix and everyone gets along and it's fun but our our wedding was just like a fun eclectic mix you know of traditions and so I had a lot of my friends do different readings during our ceremony and during the ceremony he um he was like talking throughout all of my friends readings and like interrupting them and I kept shushing him during the ceremony and i'm sure he doesn't remember and um and would like maybe would like maybe deny it if if i told him that was happening but i was definitely stressing him throughout the entire ceremony and was like kind of stressing out like dur- while they were reading it um i didn't drink anything during our entire wedding because I just, first of all, I am not a big drinker. I just never have been. And I really had it in my head that I wanted to look really amazing in all of our pictures. And I just didn't want to look like puffy or sweaty. And so I just just didn't drink anything. Um, So if you look at all of our pictures, I do look really amazing um, in all of our pictures. And if you look at all of our pictures, he kind of looks like a little disheveled, like you know, his shirt is kind of coming untucked. His like suspenders coming off. It's kind of, you know, just. I mean, you you can just kind of tell.
0: Um, now, now I really want to see your wedding picture. Yeah, I know.
1: I know. Well, I gotta, and it's gonna make me think of the sitcoms or where there's like the hot lady with the like frumpy guy, is, and people. So you're I, gonna like, you know, you'll post them, and people are like, what is she doing with
2: this guy? I like, gotta, I gotta show you guys the pictures. I mean, luck, luckily, like. I married a really hot guy, so he like looks like a mess, but he still looks really hot. I mean, I got to show you guys pictures. He, um, he is good looking, I can attest. He is good looking, yeah. but and there were people in Halloween costumes, so it looks. I mean, they look really. They look. It looks like a fun way, you know. But um, but you know, his hair is long, so it's like coming out of his. Whatever, I got to show you guys pictures, but um, you know, he was very, very very wasted at our wedding and he he was interrupting and then um i mean he he never dances at any wedding like he's just he's not like a dancer like he's that's just he's not his thing um he was dancing at the wedding not with me but he was just he was dancing um he was fist pumping a lot and he was dancing with my mom and you know he was which is fine Um, he was dancing and like I mean luckily it was like kind of funny it wasn't like anything super embarrassing except for like the interrupting my friends and me shushing him that was probably the most stressful part and it was only stressful to me like internally Um, but then you know at the end of the night when we went back to the hotel like it was like again like him passing out me taking his shoes off and like just like I mean he he was he was really wasted and I sometimes joke with him like do you remember like or do you remember the reception like do you remember eating do you remember like all the dancing and stuff and he always says yeah I remember it And then the funniest part of this, or I mean, it's not funny, like it's funny now, we can laugh about it now, but it was not funny back then is we had, we left for our honeymoon the next day and he had packed um, like the day before for our honeymoon. And I, I think he must have partaken in that smoking of the weed before the wedding and So when we get to the resort at our honeymoon, he packed like for a week long trip, like two pairs of boxers, one pair of pants, one bathing suit and one shirt and no belt. And like, that's it for like a week at a resort. And I was like, what did you think we were doing? Like, you didn't pack enough stuff. Like, at least you didn't have to.
0: At least you didn't have to pay to check his bag, I guess. Right, so, I mean, like, he didn't pack
2: anything, like, so his pants were falling down all week because he didn't have a belt, like, he only had one bathing suit, it was like, well, you didn't pack anything, <laughs> like, it was, I mean, it's like I said, it's funny now, but like, he had to keep, like, I don't know, he had to keep, like, washing his boxers, and it was, um, it was ridiculous, so, uh, yeah, but. So what is-
1: What did his parents and family who are, do not drink, what did they think? or Did you pay any attention or did you try to avoid
2: them? Um, So they, uh, they are, first of all, his family is very, very supportive and very, very well aware. His brother also has um, like alcohol use issues his brother has been sober for I want to say about like eight years um so they're very like well aware that it's an issue and um they they like left after dinner because they're not like the partying type right they're not Mm -hmm. like the dancing partying type so they are so they like they obviously for the ceremony and for dinner and then they kind of left after that so they didn't see like the really, really like, you know, the really, really like hard parting part. Yeah. Um, but I mean, they're really well aware and they're like, they're not in denial, like in any way, shape or form. They're very well aware. They're very supportive. They're very like involved in helping and being there for us and for him and they're very like um you know whatever we can do to be there for for y'all and for him like so they're like very much on the same team but yeah but they just they kind of they they like didn't stay to watch in other words yeah
0: when you first when you first told us the wedding story the the Mm -hmm. part that seemed the most heartbreaking to me and you you could almost you could hear the the pain and disappointment in your words. You talked about how, I mean, you just shared with us here that you you had to take off his shoes when you got back to the hotel, but you also talked about unceremoniously hanging the wedding dress. Right. Right. I mean, obviously we have a vision for what our wedding is going to be like, but we also have a vision of what our first night married is going to be like. And then none of that comes to fruition. And that must've been, you know, another, just another red flag missed and, and kind of a crushing blow in the moment, I imagine. Yeah.
2: I mean, I have never been the kind of person to have that kind of like, mm, you know, vision for how my wedding night is going to look like, or for how my wedding is going to, obviously I had like a very untraditional wedding. Like I'm not the kind of like fairytale princess girl. Like I didn't, you know, but yeah, I mean, it was like, oh, my husband's passed out and I'm taking off his shoes and just like unzipping my own wedding dress and hanging it up. And like, yeah, like this is, uh, this is, it's, it was very like, it's one of those things, I think a lot of moments and, and this you know, you have to remember when we got married, this was before, or this was still when I was in deep denial that there was any kind of problem with alcohol. So I thought that, oh, it's just our wedding night. Oh, he just like went a little crazy because it's our wedding night. So like, I still hadn't recognized that there was any kind of problem. So I wasn't thinking, oh, this is because my husband has a problem with with alcoholism or anything like that. I was just thinking, man, he partied really hard at our wedding. Like, that's crazy. You know, that's yeah. a little disappointing. I, I, this was before anything major had even happened yet um so yeah your
0: your perspective on denial is really interesting as it takes a turn as your story takes a turn he actually started to feel like he potentially had a problem before you did oh yeah he (laughs) he came to you and 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 when he said he thought he might have a problem you were in denial then too can you talk about that a little bit
2: yes he again he is He's seven years older than me and he tried to tell me several times. And he tried to say, I think maybe I need to go to AA. I think maybe I have a problem like with alcoholism, with drinking too much, however, he phrased it, he tried to tell me. And I kind of shut it down. And again, I had never been around anyone with alcoholism I had vaguely heard of it I had heard of people with alcoholism I vaguely knew that it was a disease it was a mental health thing I did I I didn't really know anything about it but I just said like um I think you're just immature and you need to get your shit together you know I think you just need to grow up I think that if you want to, if you want to drink less, then you can like, if just, drink you less. just, just like figure it out. Like I shut it down more than once. And he mm. tried to tell me more than once. Like I just, I, and I don't, I couldn't tell you why I was like, you know i i couldn't tell you why i didn't want there to be a problem or i didn't because i don't know i i guess i didn't want there to be a problem or i didn't understand what it meant or like be, because you know like i knew people with depression i knew people with anxiety i knew people with adhd like I didn't have a problem with any of those mental health problems. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I didn't want to deal with, it. I don't know what my problem was. Well,
0: was it your relationship with alcohol at all? Like for you, like you said, mm-hmm. you had no problem taking it or leaving it. You weren't much of a big drinker. So right. d- was part of it like, I I can drink as little as I want to. So why? I know that was, for Sherry, you didn't know, just, or you didn't understand the euphoria that
1: I felt. I didn't understand. I mean, yes, I had good times drinking, but I also got terrible hangovers. And I often threw up when I overdrank. And yeah. so I, I didn't understand that initial like feeling of relief that you did. So I was like, yeah, it's just real easy. You just drink two beers and you're done. Right. You know,
2: I, M- I thought, maybe. well, that everybody can do that for the longest yeah. time. So I didn't understand maybe like i maybe i didn't understand that like yeah like that not everyone was like could do that um i i think i really just thought that he was immature because i thought like okay you're seven years older than me but like when are you gonna grow up Mm -hmm. like i really thought that like you know we live together we share a home we do all and you know we would go out together sometimes like to bars or whatever but I don't know but not that much I mean we had like opposite schedules but like when I would hang out with my friends we would like go to each other's apartments and like cook dinner and watch movies like we didn't really go out to like we were kind of over it you know by the time I was like 25 26 27 like I just didn't I don't know like we just we didn't I don't it was too loud that, you know <laughs> that's the
0: that's the great way to describe the divergence mm-hmm. that right you were you were over it
2: I you was matured
0: over it. you'd done that and right. uh, it was okay it was a part of my life right and for us for me I know I, as I got older and those opportunities presented themselves less I was like oh I want to be young again and do yes. that more. Right. And I would still drink like I was. It just, you know, it wasn't in as much of a social setting because yeah. people were growing up and getting and having families.
1: And I think whenever opportunities did come up like that, like towards the end of our friend's wedding seasons, you know, like you'd be like, oh goodness, this might be the last of the wedding. So I got to act like a complete drunken asshole, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, be be the most obnoxious. And it was like, you were sucking all of it out that you possibly could. Because it, it was like this, you fear, I think, that you weren't going to be able to have these days much longer. So it was like any time, an opportunity to go to a party or whatever. I was like, oh my goodness, it's not like it's the last time you're ever going to do this again. But you treated <laughs> it like that in a lot it, of
0: ways. It was definitely the opposite of being over it, as Leah describes, 100%. The, like
1: clinging
2: on to it.
0: Clinging almost. on to it. I'm, I'm I mean, never going to get over it.
2: We, we just went to a wedding this past weekend. And, you know... We watched other people do that, right? Like I'm 33 now, and my husband is 40, and and you know he's sober, he's 57 days sober, and I, like I said, can take it or leave it with the drinking. I think I had like one sip of champagne and was like, this is gross. And uh, we watched other people drink as if their life depended on it. And then get like offended that other people weren't drinking around them. And we were just like, ugh, like <laughs> that looks stressful, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, like I just, I got, I was, I was over it. And I, I, I thought it was odd that he wasn't over it because he was older than me. And so I was like, why are you not, I don't understand why you're not over it. Like, why do you, why are you still drinking this much? And the other thing is, I thought he was just drinking when he went out, you know, like by the time we, we had moved in together, like I, I think he was already in the like, um, he recognized that he had a problem he was like trying to come to me and get help right and I think he was in the like very high functioning stages already and he was like I think like drinking in the morning and and like you know probably already like having like the slight withdrawals if he didn't but I thought he was only drinking when he went out with his friends but I didn't realize that it was like a problem do you know what I mean
0: yeah so he's he's not hiding that he's drinking overall but he's hiding kind of how much and when and where the details. Right. That, that's a that's a lot like what I did I never if, if I was if I was drinking if I was in a period of drinking Sherry knew I was in a period of drinking but she had no idea how much right um, so I, I when, totally get that
2: yeah <clears throat> I didn't know it was as bad as it was that's the other thing is why I was like I don't understand what the big deal is because, because you're just drinking like a, a couple times a week. No, he was drinking all the time and I didn't realize it, you know, like
0: part of the denial. Right. Yeah. So then, so then he got sober, um, did a, uh, an inpatient treatment and, yeah. and got sober, but then the denial continues. It's just coming at it from a different angle, right? You, you assumed everything's going to be perfect now. My husband's sober.
2: Yes. So yeah, I mean it, you know, it was like a really long journey. A bunch of stuff happened. But yes, he went, he did the whole inpatient treatment. He did all of the things that you're supposed to do when you do the inpatient treatment. And we both did them. Like we did the family programs we did the you know the Saturday aftercare for a year we did the communication workshops we practiced using the I statements we did all of the things that you do and we worked really hard on all of it and we did so well like we did so much better and it was like, we spent a year becoming friends. And like, we had always, you know, we lived together, we had, but I, I had never felt up until that point, that we were also friends. But Mm -hmm. that first year that we were sober, we became friends. And I remember, I kept describing it as, like the first year that he was sober as it's like I'm having a slumber party with my best friend every night like it was Mm. so fun like when he became sober because because yeah like I it was like more relaxing it was like okay you know we're not fighting all the time we're not it's not like all the crazy all the time It, it was more relaxing but um And I was honestly able to let go of a lot of the resentment because he was working really hard. He was doing all the stuff he was supposed to do. This was the the first time he had, you know, gotten sober and he had done it all like of his own choice. Um, There was a lot more that we needed to work on, but I knew that we were going to get there eventually. Um, Was there stuff we still needed to work on? Yes. But like, I knew we were going to get there. Was it all perfect? No, but I I knew that it was going to get there. Now, looking back, like, like, what I know now, I thought, like, oh, like, we have it all figured out. It's going to be all good. It's going to all be fine. Because he's sober now. And I don't have to ever Worry about him drinking again and like he's going to keep doing this forever. But if I knew, like, then what I know now, I wouldn't have been so relaxed back then. I wouldn't have stopped working on myself because that's what I did. Like, once he got sober, I stopped working because, you know, that whole, um, when they're like in the inpatient, they tell you like, work on yourself, like, you know, take time for yourself. And so I did that for like a month and then they come out and it's like focused on them and their recovery and all of that. And so I stopped working on myself and, Mm -hmm. and I just started focusing on him and what he needed and all of that. So that's what I did. Um, But I shouldn't have done that.
0: That's interesting. You're so Kind of in into this idea that it's going to be perfect now. The sobriety fixed everything. You even you even shared with us that you almost felt superior to yes. other couples that that I did were drinking because uh, yes. they haven't figured it out yet. We figured it out, right? Yep,
2: we're all good. Yep, I like still went to those um, Saturday meetings, and like someone else on our meeting the other day said that they feel bad for talking about the good. And I, I felt like, like that, like, oh, I'm only here to talk about the good. Like, I don't have anything bad to talk about because everything's going so good for us, you know, (laughs) but like, I wasn't at all working on myself. I was only thinking about him and us. I wasn't thinking about myself at all. And that was, again, such denial (laughs) Like, I didn't think about what would happen if he did start drinking again. I didn't think about how was I going to take care of myself. I didn't take care of myself at all. Like, I only thought about his feelings, keeping Topo Chico in the house. I only thought about how, you know, to make everything perfect for us, you know, and that was, again, such denial. And then, you know, two, two and a half years went by and it shit hit the fan and he did end up having this like very kind of dramatic relapse. And I had no tools to, you know, take care of myself and to be okay.
0: If if our listeners take nothing away from this episode besides this, this is the most important part. I think this is the same thing Sherry and I experienced. It when I you know when I got sober, it was all about me. It was all about me when I was drinking. I was very selfish drunk, but then it was still all about me when I got sober. I got to work on this stuff. I got to read more stuff. I got to learn more. Um, you know, all of the effort and focus is on my repair. But like you said, we were doing some work on the relationship. It wasn't necessarily effective in our case, but we were trying, but there was absolutely no effort given towards Sherry's individual recovery and the pain that she was in and, and just figuring stuff out. And that certainly, you know, it, it took us years before we made Sherry's recovery a focal point. Um, but you're right. Cause when, you know, challenges are going to happen, whether it's a relapse or just, you know, what the next hard thing in life, that's, that's how we roll, right? That's part of it. Um, You've got to be prepared and have the tools, like you said, to deal with it. And when you've done no work on yourself, then you're, you're kind of in a a lost, you know, a lost spot. So, so yeah, the the importance of working on yourself as the loved one of an alcoholic cannot be overstated. So, Tell us whatever you're comfortable sharing about. You said the shit kind of hit the fan. Um, What happened with the relapse?
2: Well, I will say, well, I was going to say, first of all, um, I thought I was doing work on myself. Uh, My husband suggested, why don't you go to Al-Anon? Why don't you do this or that? And I did go to the, like, the meetings at the inpatient, um, uh, place, you know, that, that were four spouses and I did little things, but I really wasn't, I was doing like surface level stuff. I really wasn't doing anything like deeper until, until the relapse happened and I realized, oh, I'm not really doing anything. Um, mm-hmm. so I will say, say that pretty much the pandemic happened (laughs) and like many people, um, it was really stressful and, um, and that, that's what happened. I mean, it's been, it's kind of been like, you know, he got really busy with his job, which caused him to not be as engaged with his recovery and then eventually stop his recovery program that he was doing. And then as we know, once you stop being engaged with a recovery, like any kind of recovery program, it's really, really hard to maintain the sobriety so that's what happened and then he kind of tried to maintain the sobriety himself for a while without any kind of recovery program um and that you know for a while it was like a few weeks of sobriety and then back on the drinking and that went on for a while um kind of like a roller coaster of off and on and off and on and it's it's exhausting and it is I mean for me personally I would rather have him either just be drinking all the time or not you know because for me I'm I hate the back and forth of like are you going to be this or are you going to be that like I'd rather and anybody that is in a relationship with someone that struggles with with any kind of substance use disorder knows that it's like well if they are using today then they're going to be like this and if they're not using then they might be like that right so for me I'm like I've been like just just pick one you know um which doesn't sound great but that is how I've been um so yeah it's been like a roller coaster and um yeah
0: it's very realistic that's one of the things that I think is the most interesting about your story you went from you know we described all the ways you described all the ways that you were in denial which frankly it was a lot of ways you know especially even when he realized he needed to get sober you were you were still in denial but, but that has somehow slingshotted you into a state of complete reality right. where there's no room for denial left. When you describe that, I know that we have listeners that will relate because I know, Sherry, you've talked about that. You, you just, you know, in, in some ways, um, if I kept drinking, that was the devil you knew. So at least you knew how to handle that. Um, right. All the indecisiveness and the struggles in early sobriety, a challenge for you too, right, Sherry?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The moodiness, the, the, I wouldn't say selfishness because I didn't realize the selfishness that sobriety took, but just the moodiness, the unhappiness that came along with your, um, days of not drinking that made it really hard. Um, because anything could set you off. It was like your nerves were on the outside of your skin. So you were so touchy that I thought, gosh, at least if you're drinking, you've got something that makes you happy.
0: So when you two are living with someone who's like that, you, you are on high alert all the time, right? You never know which version of your husband you're gonna get.
2: Well, and for me, I don't appreciate the sobriety attempts without the recovery. Like mm-hmm. I don't appreciate like, oh well, I've been sober for four days. Well, that's great, but we know it's not gonna last if you're not doing any kind of work on yourself. So like, don't, you know, I don't like appreciate that, um, you know, that statement because you're not, and I don't care what program it is. I don't care if it's AA, if it's Smart Recovery, if it's whatever you're in, like any program, will do, anything that you find that works for you, anything, if it's church, if it's the sober kickball team, I don't care what it is, you just find a community that works for you, and you go do it, then, like, you talk to me about that, then that's great, but don't just, if you just, like, white knuckle didn't drink for four days, then like you weren't really sober. You were just laying on the couch not drinking. Like don't talk to me about that. That I don't appreciate, you know. Um
0: I stand corrected. Earlier I said if there was one takeaway, it was that you have to do work on yourself as the loved one. But this is a pretty important takeaway as well. The the white knuckling dry drunk thing isn't uh isn't gonna work long term and um Mm-mm. it's it's hard to witness. So two two really important takeaways
2: right and I mean I could tell you like there have been moments that have like I think like you said like catapulted me out of the denial and I don't I think like going into those moments is a totally different podcast episode honestly but um yeah I mean like you said there's just there's no space for denial anymore like it just it just doesn't exist I mean obviously anymore
0: well, so, I, I mean, I think the fact that you have been slingshot or catapulted yeah. out of denial um, is very evident in how, how you are handling sobriety now. Like you said, he's just about two months of sobriety, mm-hmm. which is great, really, really yeah. great. Um, but you don't seem you know, like, like you were before, you don't seem like, oh, everything's going to be perfect now. And we're better than other couples. And mm-hmm. you don't seem overly, you seem super realistic. You yeah. seem like you're still really working on yourself and right. focused on yourself. Um, we, we laughed in a conversation the other day and you mentioned right. on this podcast about the Topo Chico, you know, you used to yes. be so concerned about making sure the house was stocked with Topo Chico. And now you're like, right. That's not the solution. Screw the Topo Chico, right. you know? Right. So so what does it feel like now to to go from denial to reality? Is, is there calming? Are you waiting for the next shoe to drop? Or you just feel like you're prepared no matter what happens?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, unfortunately, you know, it's really hard to find Topo Chico right now. Um, <laughs> so I, that can't be the solution. Uh, I wish it was, but it isn't, you know. Um So, yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I know I'm just, I have to, I can't, first of all, I can't be waiting for the other shoe to drop because I would be, I would be miserable and I would make my husband miserable if I was doing that. Right. Like, and that I wouldn't be like a supportive wife if I was doing that, you know? I I when he and this was all him, like he woke up and decided, I am tired of this. I want to get sober, which I believe that if someone is really going to get sober, that it has to come from them, right?
0: Yeah. Um,
2: so I told him, I'm gonna be supportive of you and as and I'm going to be as supportive of you as long as you are trying and, like, engaged in, in whatever program you're doing. So um, I'm being supportive and, and he's engaged in his recovery program, um, but I'm also focused on myself, right? So I'm still engaged in my recovery program just as much as I was when he was drinking. Like, that's not going to take the back burner now that he is uh, really in recovery. And I know that, and he knows that, and he respects that. Um, I'm still seeing my therapist. I'm still taking care of myself. And I I guess I have the mindset of no matter what happens I'm going to be okay either way you know and I hope and I pray that what happens is you know he continues on this path and everything you know continues on the up and up and it goes great but I don't know what's going to happen like I I don't like, I can't tell the future, you know? Um, and so I just, I have to be okay. Like, and I have to put myself in the position to be okay either way, no matter what happens. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's the way it has to be.
0: Well, I think it's brilliant. I think it's the right attitude. It's the only attitude that'll bring success for you. And at the end of the day, one of the things that Sherry and I have realized is as we have grown stronger and more independent, more um more independently strong, I guess I want to say, that has helped the relationship. Like for so long we thought we got to fix us, we got to fix us. And as we separated that and focused on me fixing myself and Sherry working on her issues, it's made the relationship so much stronger it's like a result. instead of the thing you're working on it's just the result of of working on yourself
2: right it's like a lot of people say like he's my other half you know and i feel like you can't be each other's other half like you each have to be a whole and then you you know you have to be two whole whole that's brilliant people two whole people you know that's brilliant yeah that's
0: that's Big huge takeaway number three.
2: whole yeah. people.
1: Well, that's what I think that makes a stronger partnership, right? I mean, you can't be a partial, right? Exactly. Going into yeah.
0: Well, I, I think what what you've been through and what you've shared with us is really really impactful. Um, we applaud you. I can't tell you how how much growth that we've seen in you in the year or so, however long it's been that we've known you and. Um, you're just, uh, you know, you're a leader in this um, revolution in in how to do recovery as the spouse, as the loved one. And we thank you so much for coming on this episode. I'm thinking yeah. we haven't titled it yet, but I'm thinking, Leah, we might title this episode uh, "Topo Chico" cannot be the solution,
1: <laughs> and just see
0: who gloms. Maybe Topo that. Chico will sponsor
1: us. Oh, this well, if I'm they saying, can send me some great Topo Chico,
2: that'd be great.
0: Yeah. We love it. No question. But it's not the solution. Leah, thanks so much for coming on the Intoxicated Podcast and sharing what you've learned.
2: Yes. Thank you guys for having me.
1: Before you go, we hope you'll consider these three resources. If you love or loved an alcoholic, we offer support and connection in our Echoes of Recovery group. Check us out at echoesofrecovery.org.
0: If you are a high-functioning alcoholic seeking methods and connection in early sobriety, we're ready for you at shoutsobriety.org.
1: No matter who you are, there's something for you in our book, Sober Evolution, Evolve into Sobriety and Recover Your Alcoholic Marriage. Go to soberevolution.org.
0: For my wife, Sherry
2: Salis, I'm Matt Salis. Thanks for listening to the Untoxicated Podcast.